For the love of everything sacred and holy, would you please shut your yappa? Shut up! Have you ever felt like shutting the fuck up? Oh, the shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. And if your wife complains, you take out a fucking hundred dollar bowl and you put it in her mouth and you tell her to shut the fuck up. Shut up, mate, you bowling. Shut up. You kids, shut up. You are listening to episode two of Shut Up and Talk with your host, DJ Queen Mean. Hi, everybody. This is um, DJ Queen Mean. We're back at it with episode two of Shut Up and Talk. This is America's sweetheart, Lana Del Rey, and another American sweetheart, Ethel Kane. So we'll be talking about both of these sweeties and um, some of the music they drop. But before that, I wanted to let you know that episode one is already up and we did talk about the Grammy predictions. I did. My producer did too a little bit. And we um we discovered that we were wrong for a lot of them, but the major two takeaways from the night were A, Beyonce got the most Grammys in history due to the 65th anniversary, and B, the hip-hop performance they put on was really good. So if you are a Grammys head, if you just you know want to know what we did, I say pause this, go check that out, and come right back. So for some of you, I don't exactly know how you're encountering the, this podcast at this point because it doesn't really matter to me. You're still welcome, and I welcome you with open arms and open vocals. Yeah, so if you are a Lana Del Rey fan or an Ethel Kane fan, stick around. We're going to be doing more pop girlies because I know I know I'm already working on an episode for Charlie XCX and uh, Arca and just hyper pop girlies I've been listening to Rosalia too and I'm I'm digging what she's doing I've been listening to wet leg um since they won the Grammys they kind of started to be on my radar so you know we we have a lot of great stuff planned for the for the show. But today we are going to talk about A&W, single by Lana, dropped on Valentine's Day. And we'll also be talking about Ethel Kane's album, Preacher's Daughter, and the whole fucking experience that that is. So I'm excited for today. Um, kick back, grab a drink. We'll be here for a little bit. And, you know, I, I hope you guys are doing great. I hope that you're Month is going great. And once again, thank you for tuning in. I will let you know um, all you have to know about these two girls up next. All right, let's get to it. So yesterday I recorded over and over and over just because my voice was not voicing. It was not doing the thing that it needs to do for it was not podcasting so today I seem to be talkative and and I'm so excited to be talkative because A&W is the new single by Lana Del Rey and whoa like Jimmy Jimmy Coco Puff like it's okay let's let's 
take three steps back. So we before this single, Lana released the first single from her upcoming album, Did You Know There's a Tunnel Under Ocean Boulevard, which is a ballad and it's it's a haunting ballad, sort of nostalgic. We know Lana is the queen of nostalgic Americana vibes. So she's bringing that back. We've also seen the album, you know, cover and the picture she's working on with Neil Krug. And I mean, before I get into the song itself, it seems like this new era she's doing, it's it's really loaded with a lot of imagery and symbols and kind of callbacks to the other work she's done in previous years. And all of us Lana fans know who Jimmy is in her lyrics and her music. We've heard Jimmy, um, Jim, but we've heard Jim before. She's talked about Jim before. She uses his name in her music. Jack Antonoff, the producer of this track, um, posted a picture of her and said something about meeting Jimmy. It was pretty interesting um, just to see. I mean, we're not going to figure it out, but just what does Jim or Jimmy mean to Lana? Because in the second part of this track, A&W, I feel, um, first of all, it's a really fun beat. Um, the beginning of the song, however, is a bit more dark. It starts with kind of the same ballad style about how she has lost hope for looking for love. And now she's an American whore. Um, I think it's funny that she says that because in the same part of the song, the beginning, as some of us call it American Whore, um, she makes a startling confession that that she's uh she was, you know, abused sexually and Sadly, she doesn't want to talk about it because she already messed up her story. So she doesn't think anybody will believe she was not asked for it. She was not asking for it. So that, yes, the song is fun. We, you know, love the second part of the song, like Batty Lana's back. But the first part of the song is tragic. Like, I can't get over how tra tragic it is. It's it's Lana Del Rey, basically telling us I am not looking for somebody to love me anymore this is the experience of being an American whore that is crazy to me because when I have been listening to Lana for a long time and that's kind of always what she sang about love looking for love wanting to be loved and to see her so firmly put down her foot and say no this is the experience of being an American whore. No longer am I going to beg for bare minimum from these dudes. I was like, okay, you go queen. Like, wow. Like that's bold, but true. So I, I, you know, it took me a while to process that information. Of course, it's an album, does not necessarily detail Lana Del Rey's personal life, but it does detail um, her lyricism and to hear her sing almost like to, he to hear her claim that she's no longer, you know, a fool for love. 
I think that is um, significant for anybody who listens to Lana. The music's great. The ballad starts out great. It goes into like a hip hop beat halfway through. For those of you who do like Lord and listen to the album Melodrama, this is a lot like the song. Uh, I think it's Hard Feelings slash Hopeless. Or Loveless. Yeah. Hard feelings slash Loveless. And it was also produced by Jack Antonoff. And it sort of has this like two track one style where like it starts with this certain quiet ballad part. Kind of like a tragic reveal of feelings for Lord. It's... um. Just how about she is like loving herself and getting over her relationship for Lana. It's about how she's over looking for somebody and she's over people talking shit about her. And she's just going to kind of dive into her hedonism. And that skips to her hedonism, which is Jimmy Jimmy. Get me, you know, only let me when I'm high. Just sort of this like drug thing with Jimmy or perhaps metaphorical drug with Jimmy versus Lord who's kind of like revenge evil um I'm gonna I'm gonna wish you never knew my name and I'm gonna call you until you block my number so kind of the same two structures in the music but two different artists and that's where we see Jack Antonoff come in and that's how we see the styles I know Mike Armosa is working on some of the other songs in the album but this song in the album does sort of appeal if you will to um to the sound that Jack Antonoff creates uh who knows how it got created but I think that I you know I drew that parallel as soon as I heard it I was like oh this is like you know, hard feelings by Lord. And I mean, not to compare Lana to Lord, of course, two different queens. But um, yeah, it's similar. I think everybody's excited. The song is doing really, really, really well in numbers. Um, it also came with visuals for uh, Lana. She got interviewed by... Um, well, like interview magazine. She got interviewed by Billy for interview magazine. And she sort of talked about how you just, you know, you just got to do what you're going to do. And people are going to hate, which is something Lana usually discusses. And I think it sounds a bit different just because she's discussing it with somebody who also deals with public hate, which is Billie Eilish. And if you haven't read the interview, it's it's lovely. I think Lana says that how this album's a little bit more lyrical and wordy, and we'll get to see that in songs like Fingertips. And I'm excited for that sort of lyricism. Um, the photo shoot for that magazine, I thought it was so... Because I was... Um, okay, quick story. So that photo shoot was shot here in the San Fernando Valley, um, in this really, really, really old uh, ice cream parlor that's right across the Del Taco. And if you must know the streets, it's Satakoy and Balboa. I think there's like a there's like a studio nearby in that area, even though it's like a suburban, you know, flat, boring area. And 
it it's not the first like euphoria all those scenes of rue uh, running in euphoria were also shot near that neighborhood but i think it's so funny because i have been going there maybe for the past five years me and my boyfriend will just go get del taco late at night there because it's like right you know nearby and it's like open late so every time i go to that parking lot i'm getting like a burrito and it's like two in the morning i'm on my fuck and it's just grimy there's sometimes people who do not have a home just living in that parking lot and it's you know a neighborhood that's not slay so watching those uh pictures i was like wait a minute is lana no and i realized she is she she kind of took pictures in the parlor because it's such an old parlor but um ice cream parlor but um, I've only been there once and it's so old that the ice cream is kind of old. Like you will look in the buckets and it has that uh, freezer frost around the edges. So I doubt that our queen got ice cream there. But it was insane to see how she transformed the area and brought this magic in the air for her photo shoot. Because that's a place I go to. And to see that parking lot in Interview Magazine with Lana on the cover kind of confirms what James Franco said a long time ago, that Lana does not live in this world. She has her own world and it's beautiful and it's true. Like she adds this like magic in the air so she can see things um, the way that we can't, which is very artistic. I mean, she's been perfecting that kind of Americana thing. So I am really excited. Uh, I am so happy to see Lana just sort of bring her Lana-ness again. I feel like with NFR she did. And then she went all around the country with chemtrails. And Blue Bannisters was sort of her recentering back um, and pulling a lot of old songs in that album. So I don't know. Maybe we'll get a, a throwback for, uh, I think Candy Necklace was supposed to be for Blue Bannisters, if I remember correctly. And I think Candy Necklace is a song a tra in the track list of um, the album coming out next month in March. Did you know there's a tunnel under Ocean Boulevard? So... All good news from Lana. If you have not listened to A&W, you can stream it anywhere. YouTube, Apple, Spotify. You have to listen to it. You have to dance. And it's just such a fun song. I think that a lot of people are freaking out because Lana is a beautiful writer, a beautiful lyricist. But at times, you know, she can be a lot like a writer and she will just go on these beautiful sentences and sort of lose track of um the pop chorus jimmy jimmy coco puff in a and w that chorus that's for the people that's what the people want that's the kind of music that people who do not necessarily not care about Lana, but people who want to shake their ass. That's the kind of music they want. And that's kind of the world we live in where, believe me, I've been like shaking my ass to Charlie XCX for like a month now. But I think that 
this is kind of where she's going with that song. I think it's um, a good single to be out because Did You Know was kind of a ballad. So this being a little bit more gritty and pop dance music is gives us hope that the album will also be, I want to say, experimental. So yeah, that's it for Lana. I hope you guys get to listen to her music. I forgot to mention at the end of A&W, Lana talks about being a ghost, which is funny to me for two reasons. The first being that Lana has been referred to as a horny ghost singer before, just based on her vocals. Like That was the thing people used to say, oh, she sounds like a horny ghost. And you know what? She does. Who cares? But um, the second reason why that's important is because today we'll... Today we'll be talking about American sweetheart Ethel Kane, the ghost of modern goth dark music. It's like dream pop, I would say. It's not goth. Like, don't get excited, gothies. But um, let me tell you, let me tell you about Ethel Kane because this shit's crazy. This shit's bonkers. Ethel Kane is a musician who was born in Florida, um, Tallahassee, Florida, to be precise. Born into a Baptist family, I believe. Like, a, is it Christian? I mean, I guess it's Christian. Well, let's let's take it back a step before I go into like Ethel Kane, because Ethel Kane is different than the artist behind Ethel Kane, but due to my limited um, knowledge of Hayden, I will be probably talking about Ethel Kane. Um, and you'll, you'll understand. You'll be like, why are, it's like, are we talking about Lizzie, Lizzie Grant? No, it's not like that. I think that we should be respectful. Um, and I've been thinking about this with, with Ethel Kane, cause I've been like, how am I going to cover that? Well, think about it this way. I think that people who are creative and artistic are so sucked in into their art that sometimes there is a personality change because personality can be rooted in how you creatively express yourself, right? I mean, yes, it's brain matter too, but Seeing these artists like Lana Del Rey and Ethel Kane transform not only as a person, as an artist, but also their names in order to, you know, do these projects, I think should be respected. I don't think there should be an, an air of like a charlatanism underneath. I think that that is bitter for them. I think we should respect what the artist is telling us, right? Hayden um, cannot pronounce her last name. I'm going to say Hayden Anhinodia. Okay, so Hayden Anhinodia, a musician from Tallahassee, Florida. But they are professionally known. And in terms of today's discussion, we will be referring to Hayden as Ethel Kane. So Ethel Kane is real, but not real. Hayden changed their name to Ethel Kane. Uh, I don't know if that's exactly true, but like that's their name professionally, right? In the music world. But also, Ethel Kane is the story 
and death of a character in the album Preacher's Daughter. And oh boy, when I tell you there has not been a concept album like this since Sgt. Pepper and the Beach Boys, Pet Sounds, I believe. I mean it. I mean it. The last time I heard a concept album and I was like, holy shit, was probably Sgt. Pepper's. And that's just because after that, everything to me was like, oh, that's a concept album, just like Sgt. Pepper. Or that's a concept album, just like, you know, the Beach Boys or the Beatles, who are the artists of Pet Sounds and Sgt. Pepper and you know, blah, 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 blah. We're not going to get into music. Well, we could get into music history. So let's do it. I mean, yeah, why not? It's my podcast. This is mean queen time. So in music, it was up until the Beatles put out Sgt. Pepper and the Lonely Hearts Club Band and the Beach Boys came out with Pet Sounds. I don't remember if... One influenced the other, or if there's like this constant, continual beef of who started first. I'm going to say, I'm going to just say both of them for, for the sake of fair, fairness. But the concept album is this idea that every song kind of goes in order and not because of the transitions yes the transitions are a big part of it sometimes it's sonic sonically inclined like there will be transitions between the songs so that's why you need to play it in order which is again a concept album but this is a story that is what's crazy to me the story of sergeant pepper and the lonely heart clubs bland band bland <laughs> that's not nice okay this is my speech therapy this podcasting if anything i can write off podcasting is my speech therapy but um speech therapy no um sergeant yes uh i'm just bringing back my trail of thought there but uh yeah so preacher's daughter is an album by ethel kane who holy shit it just like tells a story that is so haunting i have to express that the reason why i was attracted to her music was just because of how scared i was of it i don't think that's often the reason why you listen to music but there was something about her music that just like went through me and i was like holy shit so I had first encountered um, the music video on TikTok, like a snippet. <clears throat> I can't even say the word TikTok. I, I encountered a snippet of the music video um, for American Teenager. That's a single off this album. And it's kind of like A&W were talking about it. It's a fun song that people can sing, kind of giving Taylor Swift, Lana vibes, but obviously like reimagined. And... It's good. It's um, it's kind of like it's the song about an American teenager who can do whatever she wants. And she's like crying in the bleachers and just about how, you know, she doesn't need anybody. But this is just not her year. And I think Ethel describes this song in this point of view as 
a reflection of America. And I'll get into that right now. But all you have to know is that that song's like poppy and cool. So I had seen it and I was like, oh, that's nice. And then out of nowhere, about, you know, seven days ago, Monday or six days ago, I was um, early up in the morning trying to figure out, you know, what to kill my time with. And then I was like, I'm going to watch that music video in full because I remember liking it. I looked it up, loved it, went to like other songs and I was sucked in and my boyfriend was here and he was like, why were you tripping out this morning? And I was like, you do not understand. I had not felt that pulse of music in a long time, like the music the concept album the music videos the lyrics the story the execution of that artistic expression of ethel kane is fucking insanely good like i i cannot this is why i'm doing this podcast because i i some of the music i encounter i have to share and you know not everybody's open but hopefully if you're into Ethel Kane or Lana, you'll you'll listen to it. American sweetheart music, honestly. So Ethel Kane um is again the artist, but it's also this character from a small town in Alabama. I think it's Shady. I forget the name. And before you come for me, I this is all organic in my head. I know a lot of people are like, "Ugh, you should know this music." You know, the music that Ethel Kane makes is um more than just more than just the thing that you prepare for and read off Wikipedia. This is an experience. Again, Tallahassee, Florida, the location of the artist, the person, bone, flesh, blood, the person that we're talking about. But the girl herself in the music is Ethel Kane, and she's from Alabama, Shady Grove, and she's dead. She dies. She's dead. She dies. In the album, throughout the album, she fucking dies. And let me rephrase that. She doesn't die. She gets killed and they eat her. It's insane. How that can be sonically translated, you have to figure that out because I am not going to ruin that part. Like the music is good. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about it, but it's it's just again. So a little bit about the artists. They are aesthetic queens. Um, I mean, she is and like her friends. They're aesthetic queens. They like, uh, I guess, consume a lot of horror genre film and they do like uh, photographic, like vintage experiments and aesthetics. A lot of the music videos are shot sort of with this like vintage filter. Um, I think that might be film, but I don't want to say it is film because it probably isn't. It probably is just like an effect. It's if you want to start anywhere, start with the music videos for American Teenager. It's just um, like everything the artist does is executed perfectly. The music, the story, the lyrics, the graphics. Uh, I can't even get into it. Like I, I'm going to yell into this microphone. So we have that, right? Um, 
the story of Ethel Kane came to the artist Ethel Kane as almost like a a possession. Uh, the artist felt the artist felt like the character was sort of consuming her life. And so she became Ethel Kane and on top of that put out an album with the story of Ethel Kane. Story of Ethel Kane, uh, the character is a young girl from Shady Grove, Alabama, with a religious family who is, you know, rebelling, living in the make-believe world, if you will. And much like our other American sweetheart, Lana Del Rey, in love with tragic, tragic men who do not know how to love. So she um, details that sort of experience, which in this kind of music is, uh, we, we know what it's like to have a girly cry over a man who ain't worth shit. And that's sort of the story of Ethel. We're rooting for her. We want her to liberate herself um, from the shackles of her small town and her, you know, religious family. But we also don't get to see that because she tragically, tragically dies or is killed by a lover. I don't want to, should I say everything? I mean, I'm assuming that those of you who did come in for the Ethel Kane already know the album. So yeah, let's talk about it a little bit. So she, um, first of all, it's not just this. I, wow, I'm going to have to put a trigger warning. So. We find out in one of the songs that Ethel Kane's uh, father, the character, um, was sexually abusing her. And she has mixed emotions because her father was a preacher and people, you know, look up to preachers. They respect the silence that preachers demand. And usually they're supposed to be moral people. However, in the story of Ethel Kane's character, her father is not kind or holy, is everything but um, by abusing his own daughter. And then we get to see this teenager again an American teenager who wants to escape that sort of morbid sadness that comes with abuse that kind of like stagnant secret like crisis for a lot of essay victims and she wants to escape and live in a fake world um where she thinks she'll be better off than in her neighborhood uh, I want to point out that the artist Ethel Kane also talks about poverty in this album. And that kind of is a little bit of, of American Teenager, not necessarily poverty per se, but like the need to, you know, the need of money and the struggle of poverty um, and how she wants. She doesn't say she wants to escape it, but we can see as the listener that she is escaping that um her father the poverty the religious sort of like i mean she is religious uh if looking the character is religious she is 
you know, religious in the sense that she still believes in a God and is trying to make sense of the world with God. And when she is dead and sings from beyond the grave, she does, you know, go to heaven and all this. So, Amer- I mean, this preacher's daughter is definitely exploring like religious roots in this country and boy i'm not from i'm from california i'm from mexico and california i'm on the other side of this country this huge giant country i'm not sure where you are Uh, are you in the u.s are you in a different country i don't know but the way that i can see the southern history of women in this album gives me chills as a woman. Um, it I relate. I have a lot of not sympathy. I have a lot of empathy for every you know character in this. Not every character, every song in this album. And I've gone through a lot of these emotions. Um, perhaps not all of them, but it's just beautifully done. Like I don't know. I do believe. Um, Ethel when she says she got possessed by this character because it is like a story that had to be told it is a story that um, reflects so many other stories in this country particularly for people who are poor and for people who are um, I want to see the black sheep of religious families for people who are escaping the pain in their life and think that they can find it in love. It's just, oh, it makes me so happy to see such a beautiful album. I'm not even lying. Like, I'm so happy to, like, I can't even express it. Like, when I first heard this album, I heard, um, and this is, I kept the thing open because I knew I was going to fuck it up. I kept, um... There's this one song in the album that's really dark. And I, that was my favorite song, of course. That's, I was like, whoa. But let me see. There is this one track, Tolomia, and Ethel, the character just sort of being sex trafficked across the country and having to stay in this man's, you know, sexual abuse because he's like pimping her out and she's addicted to drugs she's she tried to escape her life back in alabama shady grove shady grove alabama so she goes to california and is basically manipulated into being a sex worker and is addicted to drugs and I mean, Gibson Girl is a track that talks about that precise, like the, you know, that sort of mentality. But um, Tolomia, it explores a little bit more of a darkness um, and it sort of reels back Ethel, the character, and like sort of how sad she was. When she was singing about her dad abusing her, um, it sort of is a callback to that, right? Because when she sings about that song, it's her father. So, of course, her father abusing her is going to be confusing for her. So the 
the track Hard Times is sad, tragic, like I want to say transforming, like to hear how some of these women in this world are violated by somebody who's supposed to be their protector. When I heard that song, Hard Times, I had a bitter taste in my mouth the rest of the day. But then later when I was thinking about it, I think it makes sense because in Ptolemya, she is uh, kind of already introduced us to, okay, yes, I'm being abused by this man and I'm being pimped out and I'm addicted to drugs. But um, Ptolemya is like this dark, I want to call it ethereal, I want to call it ethereal wave, but it basically um starts with this sort of like demonic intro it is the part where we foresee the narrator of the lyrics sort of telling the girl you're um going to die like you're a lamb <laughs> you're going to be sacrificed and it's just such a haunting beautiful song and i really do think that after that song is when we start to see the metaphysical part of the album um when it's not so much the story anymore uh it's not the people uh and what is happening to their bodies and their lives but it is the reflection of everything that happened that is not real and by that i mean it's not in the flesh the stuff that is <sighs> cerebral and spiritual and from that point in the song we do see um ethel kane i mean we don't see it we hear it we hear her going to heaven and in televangelism and we see we hear her rotting in the cabin in august underground like we see um we see the afterlife if you will so i'm not necessarily talking theological metaphysical i'm talking like the afterlife um and just sort of like if you could look back on your life in the afterlife what would that look like and in the case of ethel kane ethel kane who has a tragic life we still see like the optimism and the sweetness and the care she has even after she's dead where she sings to her mother she sort of you know has those angelic vocals we just see uh that track some bleached uh, flies which is the second to last track and i think my favorite song in this album we see this sort of like question that we have and this is why I'm so I mean I do also struggle with I don't want to say like it is my main struggle in the day but I do think about God I was raised Catholic so when I heard and yes Ethel Cain is for the you know race religious girlies um but when she says you know God's not gonna save you I feel like that is haunting because then the protagonist in our album is proceeded to be 
a freezer bride and she is you know, consumed by her killer um like cannibalistically <laughs> consumed if you will so ugh, i'm even nauseous thinking about it but just like the the part of that song where she sees how her need for some sort of cosmic sense is well really it's just sort of not important because she could not save herself so now it's very Nietzschean it's very God is dead kind of shit and it's funny because Lana did talk about that too in her I guess it was it wasn't an album it was like the extended version of Born to Die she has that track um Gods and Monsters and she does say God's dead that's her ride with me and Ethel Kane in this song um some beach flies she says uh God's not gonna save you what did she say she says God loves you but not enough to save you so sort of like yes your mass creator loves you but your mass creator but your mass creator is also not going to save you right so we see this sort of like giving up on God um, theme. And I don't want to say that that's the only message that she said that she makes in that album, because that would be ridiculous. But I think that's one of the strongest ones. I think that that Ethel Kane was uh, a descendant of a family who, you know, they look to God to solve all the problems, particularly the woman in her family. And look where that got Ethel Kane. So I think that the artist has also mentioned that there is sort of a transgenerational um, storytelling there where it's not just about Ethel Kane, but it's also about her mother and the woman that came before her mother and sort of a how did the you know figuratively 1990s Ethel Kane the character how did she get there <clears throat> oh my god that was such a bad there how did she get there and from all the other trauma in the women in her family, such as putting with father's abuse, still being confused by father's abuse, waiting for man to fix them and, you know, falling apart when men leave them and just always robbing themselves of moving on and just being stuck on on that, a sort of like reminiscing lost love, which again, it's we perfect that we're talking about Lana in the beginning of this episode because she does do that as well. So just to see uh, Lana and Ethel Kane putting music out there and making us think about these things, this is why I am so happy to have a music commentary podcast because these artists might be putting out tracks 
but these tracks are much deeper and they reflect a much deeper, you know, womanhood, especially in this country. I'm not sure if any of you live in this country, this country being the United States. I mean, I'm not going to go into political things, but there is definitely worldwide um, a disrespect to women in most places. And we as a country are responsible to look at how we are being disrespected and look how the women in our generations in this country are growing up to perceive themselves and perceive their problems and perceive the the people around them and the actions that those people do to them. And we are responsible to teach them what is and what isn't okay. And a lot of that in this country has came from music. Yes, of course, we have had political activists that push for women rights, but it's not about the right. I mean, actually, take that back. It's a lot about the right. So yes, we want to have the rights. We want to be legally protected. But it also is a cultural thing. It's a cultural thing of what are we allowing the women in our country to put up with. And sad, tragic story of Ethel Kane, not so fucking different from the, a lot of women in this country. I can only imagine what being sexually abused by a parent would do to somebody's brain, um, heart, and soul. And I think that particularly in the South, there's a lot of of that. And I don't want to point fingers at the South either because I know they have their geographical problems that, you know, create this issue. Um, maybe not geographically particularly this issue but like they have the poverty and like all the other stuff being isolated being isolated from main cities and just it it it's it's i can't i can't do this part like i can't explain it um i don't i'm not justifying anybody by the way this is still a wrong action you should know better regardless of where you live but don't fucking SA kids, bro. Like what? And I think that's one of the I, I didn't even know that listening to this album, but something about the haunting voice of Ethel Kane and like her her bird-like demeanor, like just sort of this like beautiful freeing soul that she presents in her dreams and hopes you know, in, in some of the songs and even her own struggle to understand God and understand her existence around or with or without God. And then getting all this background info throughout the album of what happened to her with her father and the men that left her and the men that abused her. And not only that, but like the need of that love for the of those men who abused her. All of those things themes that Ethel Kane, the artist, added to that album is what makes the character so real because the character is like a ghost of um of America. It's a ghost of America and it mirrors back the culture and it mirrors back what we think is acceptable and what isn't. Lana, on the other hand, Lana is 
sort of doing that too. And I think it's interesting that at the end of A&W, she says, um, look how he holds me. I'm a ghost. Look how he holds me. Um, it's sort of like that Lana is singing. I know it's kind of like, you know, too close, but it's, it is kind of like a ghost that she created, Lana Del Rey, um, because it's a fragment of everything that she's lost and wanted to keep, wanted, wanted to keep as a woman. And it has amounted to things she has discovered and things that she has realized about herself. And this is the character, Lana Del Rey, not the person. Because um, I don't know if the music she writes is exactly her life. Like that is, you know. I don't know what her life is like. I can assume that a lot of it uh, is based on stuff she's experienced, but I don't know what. So I can't really tell what is and isn't um, as opposed to Ethel Kane, where I've been told explicitly this is a character so I can detach them from the artist. Um, but yeah, it's it's such a sad, sad reality that we live in just to think about that. But thankfully, you know, we do have the muse right on our shoulder and there are people who make beautiful music that we can listen to and relate and help us to walk the journeys that we're walking as women in America. But um, yeah, if you have not listened to Preacher's Daughter, just A, trigger warning, brace yourself. B, sonically, the album is like vocals, piano and... um guitars the guitars are really good the piano is good too um but i a lot of the guitars stood out to me but um this this album is also on spotify apple music and youtube preacher's daughter by ethel kane her first album and i believe it's a trilogy i believe she's coming out with a couple couple more um on the story of ethel kane so kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, Mia Goth in Pearl and like sort of that, you know, transgenerational continuum in those characters. So hopefully we get to see some of that with Ethel Kane. She's a fucking big brain, like creative queen. I fucking love her so much. And she's funny, too. <laughs> if you don't follow the artist Ethel Kane on social media you should she's funny and she's cool and she's doing something for women and women's story that a lot of people just you know refuse to explore just because we are still in the wolf's mouth of of this journey and of course if you have not listened to a and w go give it a listen jimmy jimmy coco puff it's good it's good shake your ass to it but also remember the first part is very like, woof. it's very like, yeah. So similar, similar things. I don't think Jack Antonoff produced anything in Ethel Kane. I think Ethel Kane works on a lot of the music herself, but um, yeah, maybe they will in the future. Who knows? But thank you so much for tuning in. I'm sorry for my, <clears throat> my weird voice and my weird words. 
the more I do this, the more I develop clear addiction. I have not done this in a long time. Last time I did Shut Up and Talk, well, season one, we all did it on radio and it was live. And that's part of the reason why you can access uh, season one right now, because I still, you know, like I said, need to take out a lot of that stuff in those episodes. But um, I love it. I love being back. I love being able to share um, some of my discoveries in music. And I love being able to review sort of what music is coming out. I know the first episode of this season was a little bit more like event based, but this is like what I'm trying to do. So if you are interested in listening to more re music reviews and album reviews, you should definitely subscribe, follow, or just, you know, tune in, search Shut Up and Talk with one big N instead of A-N-D. And I'll be here for sure. So thank you for tuning in. This is DJ Queen Mean. I'm signing out. I'm going to the beach. And I'm going to listen to Lana Del Rey and Ethel Kane. And I hope you do the same if you have not. And if you have, continue being awesome and great. Girls, boys, women, men, non-binary people take care of yourselves in this country and in any country please just remember that you know that we are the future and if these old farts don't get it it's not our problem you are still the future you are the moment and if they're like nagging at you calling you crazy telling you like what the fuck are you talking about this country has a culture and you're not gonna come in and destroy the culture of this country you tell them shut the fuck up that's what you tell them thanks for listening have a lovely day and if you have not listened to episode one i'll see you there you tell them shut the fuck up perhaps the most memorable encounter i've had with any